From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and the drama over an emergency war funding and border security package has been intensifying. Congress was supposed to go home for the Christmas recess, but the Senate decided to stick around for perhaps another week as negotiations ramp up over immigration policies at the southern border. A bipartisan border security deal is the linchpin for unlocking a $110 billion aid package for Ukraine, for Israel, for Taiwan, because Republicans are insisting on measures to curb the flow of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border as a condition for aiding Ukraine. So can a deal be made, and how long will it take, and would it have enough votes to pass? There's a lot at stake here for President Biden, who has promised more aid to Ukraine and to Israel. There's a lot at stake for Republicans who have made border security their top concern now. And there's a lot at stake for the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, who is gambling that keeping the Senate in town, maybe up to Christmas, will force a deal to come together. So let's talk about where things stand and what obstacles lie ahead. Joining me for that conversation are Aiden Quigley, the appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Aiden. Thanks for having me. And John Donnelly, a senior defense writer at CQ Roll Call. Thanks again for being here, John. Hi, David. So, guys, we've certainly had a lot of drama this week. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, made an encore visit to the White House and the Capitol pleading for aid as support for the war seems to be waning among some Republicans. They're trying to get about $60 billion. It's a big chunk of money. And just hours after his visit, which seemed to solve nothing, negotiations suddenly ramped into high gear. We saw White House officials and the Homeland Security Secretary show up at the Capitol for a new round of talks. The White House put a new border proposal on the table that Republicans seem to be taking very seriously, even while they complain there's not enough detail, nothing's on paper. Aiden, is this all bluster? How do you think these talks are looking? I mean, it's really kind of hard to handicap uh, from my perspective. I mean, I think it is interesting that the Senate is, at this point, planning on coming back next week. It seems like, you know, Republicans are very doubtful that there's actually a chance of passing something next week. Um, John Thune, who is the number two Senate Republican, was saying that, you know, they're still talking about concepts and it takes a lot of time to turn that into actual legislative text, which you can vote on. And with some Republican senators likely to object, even if there was an agreement reached, the, the time frame of voting on something next week, which is what the majority leader Chuck Schumer is pushing for, seems unrealistic at, at best if you want to be voting on a bipartisan deal next week. It's, it's difficult for me to see, especially as Christmas is right around the corner. Yeah, it's a wild card. And John, I mean, we did see Zelensky again. He was just here in September. Here he comes just a few months later, makes the same trip, uh, makes the same White House visit, the same visit to congressional leaders at the Capitol. You know, the, 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 the fact that he even had to come again so quickly was striking to me. 
more than anything he said. Is this desperation now? I mean, can do you get a sense as to as to how quickly the money is needed and and whether it, it can come together? Yeah, well, it was certainly um, it was certainly a sign of I don't know if I want to say desperation, but the the urgency of the moment and and the and the the fraught political situation in Washington for uh, Ukraine aid that Zelensky had to show up at all, as you say, for. Uh, for a second time in a short period. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't appear that, uh, unfortunately, from the point of view of supporters of Ukraine, it doesn't appear that his visit uh, had a significant impact or any impact necessarily on on how people feel about aiding uh, Ukraine. Um, but one interesting thing that they came out, um, you know, the message was we need help right now. Uh, pretty much during the entirety of his visit. But then he did an interview on Fox News where he said, in effect, uh, December, January, February, it's, it's, there's not much difference among those three dates in terms of when we get the aid, which was seemed to be a, a, in contrast to the, the message of urgency. And Speaker Mike Johnson sent out an email to reporters pointing this out as if to say, see, even Zelensky says he doesn't need it right away. Um, and uh, but, but what Johnson left out was the context of that before and after Zelensky said that he made clear the urgency of this, especially from a morale point of view in Ukraine and in a, and a morale point of view in the West, right? Um, this is not just about America. It's about America leading a global co coalition. So from, you know, this is, a, it, it really, it may not matter whether it happens, uh, you know, in a, in a week or a month so much on the battlefield, but in terms of the overall trajectory of, you know, uh, global opinion and, 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 the, and the momentum uh, in Ukraine's favor, it's hugely important for that reason. Um, I'm a I'm I'm a little more optimistic than Aiden, perhaps about uh, whether or not this is going to happen. Uh, I agree. I agree that pulling it off this week is a huge order, but there's also something about the uh, that that hard deadline of Christmas that forces people to maybe do things that they wouldn't uh, otherwise do and to do things faster than they would otherwise do them. And secondly, I hear a lot more talk about things coming together in these talks, um, a lot more optimism, a lot more talk about progress. No one's providing any details about what has happened. And yeah, they, they may not have it in black and white yet, and that makes all the difference in the world. But the fact that they're talking at all about progress being made in these negotiations, to me, is, is perhaps telling. Um, I just feel like there's more of a chance of this happening than a lot of people are giving credit for. I've just seen so many fights on Capitol Hill where it seems like the the conflict can't be resolved. It's intractable. And then presto, something happens and often at the last minute. Yeah, I think you're right because for weeks, they were. it seemed like these talks were getting nowhere. Republicans were dismissing them. Um, and ever since I think it was Tuesday when when they had that first meeting with White House officials and the Homeland Security Secretary, and the White House put a new offer on the table, uh, 
Republicans clearly took that seriously. I mean, it's clear we don't know the details, as you say, but the Biden administration clearly made some major concessions here that we should say angered a lot of the Democratic base. And that's going to be another hurdle. But they clearly made some major concessions on um, asylum, tightening the asylum laws and, and possibly on detention, deportation policies that are designed to make to really curb the flow of migrants that have been coming in at something like 10,000, 11,000 a day now, which is which is what has Republicans so upset. Both parties, lawmakers from both parties said they're making progress. That's significant because they weren't saying that before this week, right? Yeah. On the other hand, on the other hand, there's no way to know whether whether these encouraging words right now actually lead to a deal when Penn has to meet paper. And I did see that the top Senate Republican negotiator, uh, Jim Langford of, of uh, Oklahoma, was complaining on Fox just last night, I think, that um, the White House is slowing this down because they refuse to put anything on paper. So he's skeptical, he said. I mean, we're going to go through a lot of trials and tribulations here, um, tribulations over, over whether this can come together. It, it's really hairy. It's at a really pivotal moment, I think, as we tape on Friday morning. Uh, these things can change by the hour, we should say. But as we tape now, um, it, it is still, I think, anyone's guess as to whether whether this can happen. And it, what, what was striking to me most of all about the Zelensky visit and why it was almost a little demeaning, I thought, to him was here you have the president of a country who was literally fighting for its life coming yet again to Washington to plead for help. And the issue really had nothing to do with him. And and lawmakers were talking past Zelensky, almost ignoring him at this point, because the controversy is not over Ukraine, right? It's over border security at the U.S.-Mexico border. That's what Zelensky had to contend with this time. He, and he couldn't, he couldn't, he didn't, I think he wisely stayed away from trying to interfere in domestic U.S. politics, right? He didn't want to weigh in on anything about the border. That's not his, it's smart because it's not his place to do that anyway. But he knows that's what's hanging this up. It's not him. It's not Ukraine. So he's almost coming here powerless to affect change. And that put him in a, in a much weaker position, I thought, because there's nothing he can do about this. And and yet here we are and Republican, but it did spur, I think, his being here. You know, I think Chuck Schumer, when he saw that Zelensky made no impact on that visit and Republicans just dismissed it, within hours of that, Schumer announced this new this new effort to negotiate and brought in the White House and uh, I can't be sure who exactly initiated it, whether the White House then intervened directly and said, we've got to come in or whether Schumer asked them to come in. Um, but all of a sudden they were in, right? And we had White House officials coming over to the Capitol. They, they hadn't done that before. Before, these talks were just among senators. Very informal, uh, sense of pressure. It was just a handful of senators meeting to see if they could cut a deal. All of a sudden we saw this White House involvement and the Homeland Security Secretary. And whether he helps, we don't know because Republicans don't like him. <laughs> uh, they want, Some in the House want to impeach him, right? So that may not help. But there is this stepped-up involvement and talk of progress. But boy, it's just a, a perilous Rudy's on now that I guess we we really don't know, and and this could change by the day as to whether we see anything come about.
Yeah. Um, I think it's worth um, noting or repeating that there are majorities in both chambers in favor of aiding Ukraine. It, it sometimes gets lost in the uh, reporting on the trend, and it's a real trend among the public and especially among Republicans on and off Capitol Hill to kind of grow tired of, of aiding Ukraine. But if you look, it's only about half the Republicans in the House and virtually all the Democrats still support aiding Ukraine. So there's a majority in support of aiding Ukraine in the House and certainly in the Senate. So if you're just talking about that proposition separate from, from border or anything else, you know, Zelensky's got the votes is what I'm trying to say. But of course, the reality is it is tied to the border security thing. And one thing I wanted to one point I wanted to make about that is, you know, we've been talking so far about these negotiations among a handful of lawmakers in the White House over a package that they think might clear uh, Congress. But actually doing that is, is, is a separate question, right? In other words, uh, Lankford Murphy and company might agree on, uh, on a uh, border security uh, package. But getting that through the House in particular is going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Especially as David pointed out with Democrats being, you know, concerned or skeptical about this. When you look at the, you know, margins you're going to need for a huge, you know, Ukraine border, Israel package, it's going to be it's going to be challenging because as we've seen time and time again, you, you're going to need a lot of Democrats. You might not even be able to pass a rule out of the Rules Committee with the makeup, with Chip Roy, I'm sure, will be against this. Uh, you know, it's going to be challenging, especially if you lose a lot of Democrats. The Democrats have been pretty consistent in, in rallying behind their leadership, but I think something as big as these major changes to border policy, you know, could could change that. And we should, we should say, you know, the House did leave town and uh, they're gone. And theoretically, if the Senate were able to pass something, you know, the Speaker could call the House back into session, but it doesn't seem like he's inclined to do that. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson even tweeted last night, uh, the quote is, the House will not wait around to receive and debate a rushed product. Uh, so he is not, he made clear he is not uh, inclined to rush this through and get this done before Christmas. I mean, this this clearly will have to wait for January in the House. And even then, it seems like a major crapshoot here as to whether whether it could get through the House, because you've got, you know, you've got border policies that are going to tick off some of the progressive Democrats in the House. And you've got Ukraine aid that's going to tick off a sizable portion of Republicans in the House. So that sounds to me like a formula for... <laughs> For failure, really. I mean, I, I mean, and we should say these these negotiations on the border are heating up, but it's between Senate and White House. The House is not even a player in these negotiations. Is that a mistake? I mean, there's no there's no involvement on there's no buy in from the House side on this on these on these border talks. Yeah, it's possible that Mike Johnson will look at this and and decide that he doesn't want anything to do with it. Uh, obviously, as they're not a party in these in these talks, but. Uh, yeah, I guess this comes back to my the initial point I was making, which is uh, being pretty skeptical about the prospects of this uh, getting getting across the finish line when 
one, you need to deal in the Senate, which we're not there yet. And two, the House is really, uh, it's hard to look at the current makeup of the House and be confident that they'll be able to pass anything. So, yeah. And when I expressed optimism, it was really on the question of whether they would be able to come up with a deal uh, this week and get it passed in the Senate this week. But then when you start talking about the House, it is a it is an entirely different proposition. And <clears throat> actually, the more I think about it, <laughs> the more skeptical I get, uh, given everything you just walked through about the prospects in the House. Yeah, and not to not to redirect this to my beat, which is appropriations and the fiscal twenty twenty four appropriations process. But January is going to be really busy. You know, January the house is not going to come back to deal with this in December. So by the time we get to January, you'll have one both this huge like the biggest legislation the house will consider all year probably, and the need to get appropriations done by January nineteenth. Which you know, as we've been reporting time and time again at this point, without a top line, is unrealistic when you have to negotiate anything out with the Senate. So I'm going to try to enjoy my Christmas as much as possible because I know that January is going to be uh, pretty pretty wild up on the hill. Yeah, I mean, that's the struggle. I don't even know about the Senate, frankly. I mean, you, you know, you, you you also have some Democrats in the Senate who have made clear they're unhappy with this border talk if it, if it shapes up the way along the lines of something like the White, what the White House has proposed. Uh, you had Bob Menendez, uh, the New Jersey Democrat, tweeted last night that, that the message should be hell no. Uh, I think he's going to be a no vote. Uh, I think Alex Padilla of California was expressing real concern about the border proposals. There's going to be other Democrats in the same camp. Certainly Bernie Sanders, he doesn't even want the aid to Israel right now because he's upset about you know what he would call indiscriminate bombing of, of the Gaza Strip. And he wants to reign in Israel. I mean, there's a lot of there's you're going to see defections on both. I mean, and then I don't know that some of the conservative Republicans in the Senate won't won't back this either on the, on the grounds that there's there's too much money going down a rat hole. Right. I mean, so I, I can't imagine Rand Paul voting for this and, and uh, there's probably others. So even in the Senate, it's going to be close. It's conceivable to me that they would have a majority. They, they would need not just a majority. They need 60 votes. But it's conceivable to me you could get at least sixty in the Senate if there's a, if a deal comes together. I think, right? I mean that. But it, but even that is not going to be easy. No, it's not. No one, no one ever said it'll be easy. And 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 but you raise excellent points, you know. And uh, something tells me that the people who are opposed to it without having seen it yet <laughs> are not going to change their minds once they see it. They're they're sort of already dug in whether it's for or, 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 or against or, or, or against it for this reason or against it for that reason, uh, because, you know. Right. And the reason you almost don't have to see it is because you kind of know that for any deal to come together, there have, there, there's going to have to be major concessions on border policies, similar, I think, to what we had in the Trump administration with Title 42. That was that pandemic public health order that just allowed them to deport migrants on the spot without asylum hearings. You're going to see similar stuff to that. You're going to have to in order to get Republican support. So any deal that comes together is going to have to have, I'm not, we don't know what the details are, but it's going to have to be something major like that, that a lot of Democrats are going to hate. And so the question is, can enough Democrats swallow that as the price for Ukraine aid and Israel aid? And I don't know what the answer is right now. Yep. There's a reason that 
immigration overhaul hasn't happened for three decades. Yeah, which is the point that the top Democratic negotiator in the Senate, Chris Murphy, was making the other day, is that he acknowledged there's a lot in his party who are going to be really unhappy with this, and he's trying to walk a really fine line in trying to see how much they have to cave. And it all comes down to the to this intractable immigration debate that, that the parties can never resolve. They haven't resolved it in decades. And here they're trying to resolve it, guys, in a few days. I mean, years of debate, they're trying to they're trying to come together with the White House in a few days to put something together that can fly. Um, there's so much pressure now for a deal, and Schumer went all in. You know, I really thought, I really thought the way we, he he would leave this is the Senate would leave town this week on by Friday, and Schumer would have announced something like, "If we can reach a deal, we're going to come back into session because this is really important." But no, he went a step further. He said, "No, screw that. We're going to stay in town. We're going to be back here Monday. There are going to be votes next week on nominations." And we're going to keep at it because we think we're, a deal is going to come together. That really put the pressure on to get a deal. He's hoping over this coming weekend, as we tape on Friday. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, you know, it does seem really doubtful they can come together that quickly, although some claim they're close and they both sides do claim progress. It's like reading tea leaves. Right. Hey, here, here's another um, complicating factor that, that works against getting a deal. Let's say they do come up with something in the next few days, and let's say the Senate does approve it. Then the holidays come, and it's going to be whatever, 10 days or so before where, where this legislation is just hanging out there. <laughs> and, and there's not a really good track record for bills that <laughs> get enacted that just kind of hang out there over a recess, right? It'll be, it, there'll be a lot of opportunity for people to take shots at what's in the deal and um, right it'll just be ex it'll be very exposed I think you know if you can get something done quickly there's a lot less scrutiny on it there's a there's a lot better chances for to be passed but when you have something that's you know vulnerable to being uh, even even though it isn't during the holidays there could still be uh, some some pushback during those intervening days yeah I completely agree with that point and I think that's why even if the Senate is to meet your deal next week. I, it's hard for me to see them trying to pass it before leaving and letting it sit there until the house gets back three weeks over Christmas. Uh, you know, I, I, if they thought it would inspire the house to come back and deal with it next week, maybe that would change things. But Johnson's made it pretty clear that the house is not going to come back. So I don't really see the benefit of, of passing this right before Christmas when, you know, I, I understand that losing momentum is, is uh, probably the driving factor behind that, but, it's not going to become law this year. Well, that was exactly the point that John Cornyn made, the Texas Republican, who's a pretty senior, shrewd guy, who said if the Senate were to pass something before Christmas and then, and then the House isn't going to take it up till January anyway, he said the measure becomes a pinata that everyone's going to take pot shots at for weeks, and it would it would just it would just die. That's a more colorful way of saying what I just said, right? right. I mean, he, he completely agreed with you. I mean, I mean that that was the point. Um, but that's what they're facing, and I, and I think for, and I think the problem Schumer had is is he feels so much pressure to get aid to Ukraine and Israel done 
that he didn't think it could wait till January and it, and at least try to push something through the Senate to show that they're serious and send a signal to Vladimir Putin, if no one else, that they mean business and that Ukraine will eventually get this aid. So don't count us out, I think, is the message he's trying to send, right? Because you just had Putin the other day give his annual New Year's news conference where he was he was suggesting that got a lot of attention too, and Schumer cited this that Putin is already gloating that 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 support in the West for for aiding Ukraine is withering. I don't know his exact words, but that was his message. And uh, Schumer seized on that and says, "See, this is why we have to act fast because we can't let this message linger, and we have to show that we're behind Ukraine." Um, and so the pressure is on him to get a deal done, but. You have one of the strongest backers of Ukraine on the Republican side, Mitch McConnell, who also would like nothing more to get Ukraine aid done, but he has doubled down on border security and has has sided with Republicans who say, this is our one shot. They're using this as leverage. This is our one shot to exert enough leverage to get something done on the border. And so as much as McConnell wants Ukraine aid, he also wants something done on border security. And the two have to go hand in hand now. And so- that has just ramped this up into this unbelievable crisis point, I think, that, that I don't think anyone expected. Keep in mind, Biden first first requested this aid back in October now, <laughs> when this got, frankly, much less attention, right? I mean, it was just sort of the next round of Ukraine aid that they wanted, and, and they had to do Israel, so they were, they were you know, the, the Israeli war had just begun, so there was, there was, a, there was $14 billion in there for Israel, too. And, and it was taken seriously, but it didn't, it didn't at the time feel like it would reach a crisis point that, that it has now become. And a major, I, I guess in a major test of leadership for the new speaker, Mike Johnson, you know, who just took office was it October. I, the guy had no leadership experience. He's only been in office barely two months uh, and he's dealing with this major headache uh, with a divided, divided Republican caucus, turmoil in the House. They're trying to impeach Joe Biden. At the same time, reach a deal on this. I mean, the political tensions and the fury. I don't. I don't think can be underestimated here as to why this all adds to the difficulty of of, of getting something done. And and again, you know, in January we also have a government spending deadline, which is going to be a huge hurdle to negotiate. You know, he's passed. He, he's he's passed one CR. You know, he he got through the November deadline, uh, but. We're really kind of into a point where it's going to be a huge test. He said no more short-term continuing resolutions. They're not going to be able to get full-year appropriations done by then without a top line at this point. And the other, you know, the alternative would be a full-year continuing resolution, which as we've talked about before, will not have the support of Democrats because of the cuts. The cuts that would happen due to the debt limit law. So January is really going to be a fascinating month when it comes to Congress and. There's definitely a lot on their on their plate. Fascinating is one way to put it. Pressure cooker might be the other. There is a lot to do, uh, and it is going to be intense. Uh, but that's all the time we have for today. We will see if they can reach a deal and what it looks like, hopefully soon. But we'll have to wait and see. My thanks again to Aiden Quigley and John Donnelly for joining me. Thanks, guys. Thank you, David. And thank you all for listening. If you like what you heard here, you can subscribe to the CQ Budget newsletter, which hits your inbox every morning that Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. 
This will be the last podcast of the year as we take a break for the holidays, but you can stay up to date by reading all of our coverage on this spending deal and more at cq.com or rollcall.com. So I wish you all happy holidays and a happy new year. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you in January.